Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I, I, I've been blessed to be able to come here for a few years now and, and speak. And as uh, Aaron said, I was here on staff in, in 2013. Um, and I'm going to speak here for about four or five years now. Um, as I love being here because it's such an amazing way to kind of step out of the, the chaos of life and the craziness of life, step back from everything that could potentially be distracting us from seeing who God is, and uh, really focus in on that. And that's what I love about these times. But uh, before we kind of dive in together, I want to introduce you to a few people who are really important to me. Um, the first is my lovely wife, Alexis. There she is. Um, she is insanely out of my league, and I understand that. You don't have to remind me of that fact. I'm punching above my weight class, um, but she has blessed me with three amazing children. Our oldest, Elliot, um, he turned six, and that is the appropriate response for a cute child. Thank you. Um, but he turns six in uh, just a few weeks, and then our middle child, Addie, um, she is chaotic and crazy, and my wife and I, we always say this, she's gonna do one of two things. She's either gonna run the world or she's gonna run a prison gang, nothing in between. <laughs> she's just bullheaded, it's gotta be my way. So we're really trying to curb her to run the world um, and uh, towards uh, honoring the Lord with her life, but she is absolutely amazing. Um, and then our youngest, Oliver, is absolutely fantastic. Um, I want to see if you'll still do that when he's yelling at three in the morning. Uh, he's so much fun. <laughs> uh, no, but Oliver, Oliver is our crazy wild child. He is absolutely fantastic. I love them all to death, and I'm so undeserving of them. Um, but guys, I'm so excited. Basically, tonight and three other times this weekend, we're going to come into this space. We're going we're gonna to worship. Um, we're going to dig into the Word together. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to be able to do worship with Vessel Worship. They did such an amazing job. I'm excited that we're going to be able to spend time praising God together. Uh, but guys, I want to challenge you with something, because especially coming into a space like this, uh, where you don't know everybody, it can be really weird to kind of fully let loose and allow yourself to, to praise and worship God how you would naturally feel drawn to. And back in September, I was at a small gathering uh, with other believers in Nashville, Tennessee, and there was an incredible uh, woman of God there who was speaking and challenging us with some things, and a small exercise she challenged us with was to just take a moment before worship and close your eyes, picture Jesus sitting in front of you, standing in front of you, and if you were going to recite the lyrics of the worship song to him, how would you need to express it? So if Jesus is standing before you, are you going to say, you have no rival? You, no, you, you have to, God, you have no rival. So when we worship, and here's what I love about worship. Worship is a greater denial of yourself in all of God. And if we can't do that, we're singing just for the sake of making noise. And I challenge you guys just to take a new perspective on, on worship alone this weekend. Uh, but as we kind of work through, we're going to basically at a high level understand the grand story of the word of God, of the scriptures. And I strongly challenge you guys, if you have a Bible with you, bring it. You have the word of God breathed out by God, inspired by God in the palm of your hands. To be able to hold the Bible in your hands is such an incredible thing. If you do not own a Bible, 
If you do not have a Bible in your home, you do not own a Bible, please come talk to me. Grab one of the staff. We want to make sure that you have one. Um, if, uh, but if you brought one with you this weekend, I challenge you guys, bring it with you. Hold the Word of God in your hands as we dig into, a, dig into it together. Uh, but something that we're going to do each time, just to kind of focus in on the Word of God, uh, a few years ago, I was blessed to be able to hear a pastor speak from California, and he did this thing with the, with the crowd, which was a lot of fun, and it was actually while I was at Liberty University, shout out, um, but while I was at Liberty University, and he did this thing called the Word Wave, and I thought it was awesome, and um, I have asked him permission to borrow it, and he has graciously obliged, and whenever I'm at RVR, I love to do it. So, it's basically like doing the wave. And if you've ever been to a sporting event, and my family and I, we live right outside of Pittsburgh, um, so we had no teams make the playoffs last year, super excited about that, and it's not looking like any are going to make the playoffs this year, so we've been doing great. But if you've ever been to a baseball game, a hockey game, a football game, one of the coolest things is when it makes it all the way around the stadium. Just this past January, I was blessed with the opportunity to take our young adults, our 18 to 25-year-olds, down to Passion Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And there is a stadium in Atlanta called Mercedes-Benz Arena, and it was about 55,000 young people. And they did the wave, and it went, excuse me, can't talk, went around the stadium like five times in a row without stopping. It was a cool thing. All right, so what we're going to do, it's called the word wave. And I know Grace Shrewsbury, you did this with me last year, so hopefully you remember. So you're going to do the wave, but while you do the wave, you have to say the word word since we're going to get into the word. So when you do the word wave, you have to focus on the word of God since we're going to get into the word while we do the word wave. You got it? I'm really shocked I didn't slip up on that. All right. So I'm trusting you guys. We're going to start on this side, go to that side. So you're going to do the wave, but the entire time you have to say word. Like word. Not that dumb sounding, but just say it normal. Okay. We're going to do it. I'm embarrassing myself. Okay. Ready? One, two, three, go. Word. Well, you guys aren't bad. I'm not going to lie, you got better from like the, the pre-service skit where you did the wave. That was so much better. All right, wait, you guys got to throw it back though. Okay, so we're going to start over here this time. All right, you ready? You're not ready at all. Should you go alone? You just you do it. No? Okay, everybody. Everybody got it. All right, ready? Here we go, here we go. All right, ready? Count of seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Go. I love it. All right, now we're ready to dig into the word. Now we're ready to dig into the word. So let's pray together, and we're going to get after it. Father, I praise you, and I thank you so much for the fact that you have blessed us with the opportunity to come into this space, that we get to dive into the scriptures, the Bible, the, the breathe-out word of God inspired by you, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces our hearts, it pierces joints and marrow. So God, as we look at the Bible, help us to see you and your truth, not me and my opinion. And God, as we seek you this weekend as we seek to come alive through Christ, would you help us to experience you in new ways that are radically going to change our hearts and minds? So God, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so guys, tonight we have to set a little bit of a, a, a framework for where we're going for the rest of the weekend, because like I said, we're going to be looking at the grand story of Scripture and talking about creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. So kind of to establish this baseline, we are going to start in the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, 1 through 5. And I want to challenge you guys, some of you, if you've been in church for a while, how many of you have been to Winter Meltdown before? Nice. How many of you is this your first time? Sweet. 
stoked for you guys. But some of you have read these verses before. You've heard some of these stories before. But the beauty of the word of God is that it is boundless as God is boundless. And it is endless as God is endless. And it is so incredible that every single time we read it, the Lord is able to reveal new things to us. Even though his word never changes, he brings new things into our focus that we can understand him in new ways. So even if you've read this verse a hundred times, I challenge you to lean into the word of God. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at this together. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, guys, just for the sake of time, we're not going to be able to read through the entire creation story, but I challenge you to dig into Genesis 1 through 3 and see the beauty of our origin story. But just to kind of give us a little bit of recap here, and if you haven't heard this before, but if you go through Genesis 1, kind of give us an outline here, we're going to see this outline of creation. On day one, we have light, as we just read. And on day two, God creates our atmosphere as we can process it and understand it. Day three, he creates the dry ground, the sun, the moon, the stars. Or excuse me, day four is the sun, the moon, the stars. Day five, birds and sea creatures. Day six, land animals and humans, us. And day seven, he rested. And this wasn't a rest because he was out of strength. It was a sitting back and an appreciation for the work that he had done. He was acknowledging the, the beauty of what he, he had created. At the end of each day, we see this repeated throughout Genesis 1. It was good. God saw that it was good. Now, here's what I love about the creation story is that when God gets to mankind, he looks and says, it is very good. Now, here's what's so amazing about creation and what I love about it is there are two words in Latin that really summarize the means in which God created in such an incredible way. And they are fiat, everybody say fiat, fiat. and say ex nihilo. ex nihilo. And that means that God spoke it into existence out of nothing. He commanded it into existence out of nothing. So you and I, we might be able to whip up a, a grilled cheese. I can make a mean grilled cheese. Anybody throw bacon on their grilled cheese? I'm making you hungry. What, little tomato? No? Yeah, me neither. I hate tomato. Okay. But you might be able to make something. I personally, I love doing carpentry and woodworking, and I really enjoy creating things with my hands, but I'm not speaking, you know, trees and, and lumber into existence. I have to take the raw materials that are provided to me and form something. But God is speaking things into existence out of nothing. And here's something that just is absolutely incredible. If we step back, and guys, if you've never seen this, I, I love this. This is so cool. Let's, let's take a step to the side for a second. The Bible is 66 books. Dozens of authors over thousands of years, yet all forming one beautiful, fluid story because God is inspiring the entire thing. So even in Genesis 1, as it's laying the framework 
for our origin story. Then you jump all the way to Psalm 33. I love this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. In other translations, it says all their starry hosts. By the word of the Lord, he speaks it out of nothing. Fiat ex nihilo. He commands things into existence. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by his breath, by the breath of his mouth, all their starry hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And as we're looking at this concept of coming alive, talking about this idea of coming alive this weekend, the way in which we have life, the way in which we have life is God breathed into man and he became a living soul. We're going to dig into that in a minute. But I want to talk about this concept of God breathing out the stars. A few years ago, I was watching a sermon by a pastor and he actually gave this sermon uh, probably back in about 2007 or 2008. And it was an amazing message, just understanding the majesty of God, the, the absolute raw power of who God is, this star-breathing God that gives us life. And I want us to, to think about this for a second, is that our earth, our earth is 7,917 miles in diameter across. It's pretty long, pretty big. Our sun is 865,370 miles in diameter. And there's a star in our solar system called Arcturus. And Arcturus is 22 million miles in diameter. And then one of the largest in our solar system, V.Y. Canis Majoris, is 1,227,692,774 miles in diameter. So we're starting to shrink things back. But I'm not going to lie to you. Trying to understand the size of our God. Now, what did it say in Psalm 33? That he breathed out the stars. He is breathing out, speaking into existence our universe as we understand it. But trying to comprehend a God that big is pretty difficult to do. So we're going to shrink things, shrink things down a bit. And so does anybody have a golf ball? I need a golf ball. Does anybody have a golf ball? Oh, that's such a weird thing that you would just carry with you. Oh, my goodness. It's like I gave it to you beforehand and say, "Head, can you give this to me when I ask for it? I didn't do that. Don't look at me like I'm weird. She's the one walking around with a golf ball. Okay. But I want to shrink things down, kind of put things into perspective and scale it a little bit. So we're going to pretend that our earth is the size of a golf ball. And if you look, there's a dimple right there under where it says Youth for Christ, and that's where Manchester, Maryland is. That's not true at all. Okay, but if our earth were a golf ball, we're going to scale this down. I need a, a, a volunteer. I need somebody. Oh, you were right away. Come up here. What's your name? Titus. Titus? Get up here, Titus. Okay. Can we give a hand for Titus, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your people are so fun. Titus, I, I, want, you to, I want you to hold on to this for me, okay? 
Now, if, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, now remember, all right, if we, if we think about the numbers here, we're going from 7,000 miles in diameter. Aubrey, if we can throw that last one back up. We're going, nope, wrong way. We're going from 7,917 miles in diameter up to 865,000 miles in diameter. So if the earth were a golf ball, how wide do you think our sun would be? You tell me when. Okay, so just over two feet. All right, if you didn't see the slide, any other guesses? All right, you guys cheated. All right, so wait, Titus, tell me when we hit 15 feet. That's 15. Okay, so if the earth were the size of a golf ball, then the sun would be 15 feet across. All right, we're getting a little bit of an idea here. Give it up for Titus. Thank you so much, Titus. <laughs> Titus, come find me so I can get you like a milkshake or something at the snack shop later, okay? So, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, our sun would be 15 feet across. And you could fit... 1.3 million Earths inside the sun. 1.3 million golf balls, that's enough golf balls to fill two school buses. Now, remember, the sun is the smallest of these three stars that we talked about. So let's jump up to Arcturus. And if you look in the night sky, not tonight, it's a little cloudy, but you might be able to find Arcturus. And it comes just off the end of the Big Dipper. Okay, so you might be able to find it. Not tonight, like I said, it's a little cloudy night, but I think we have clear skies tomorrow, so you might be able to find it tomorrow night. But if the earth were the size of a golf ball, then Arcturus would be a football field long. And to give you guys a little bit of perspective here, when you walk out of these doors tonight, if you turn, look that way, and across the road is the red barn, the ninja barn, some of you might hang out there tomorrow, from this door to the ninja barn, that's roughly how long a football field is. You can fit 22.6 billion Earths inside of Arcturus. That's enough golf balls to cover a football field 565 feet deep. To kind of understand this a little better, you can see how small this is just on the edge of the stage. The amount of Earths that could fit inside Arcturus is enough golf balls to fill this room 409 times. That's how small our Earth is in comparison to the universe God has placed us in. All the while, stars this big that God is breathing into existence. But we got one left, and that's Canis Majoris. Now, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, then Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest, which is 20, over 29,000 feet, over 5.5 miles high. And you could, foot, you could fit 3.74 quadrillion earths inside of Canis Majoris. That's enough golf balls to cover the state of Texas five times over. So we're starting to see how small we are in comparison to this star-breathing God.
A God that speaks creation into existence. Fiat ex nihilo. He commands it into existence out of nothing. But I love this. This is so good. I, oh, Guys, this is what gets me excited. Genesis 2, verses 5 through 7. He's breathing out the galaxies. Breathing out stars like our sun and Arcturus and Canis Majoris. And look at this. Genesis 2, verses 5 through 7. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. This massive, awesome, powerful God who is breathing out stars that would completely squash our entire existence, that same breath of God is breathing into man to make him a living soul. And we have to process that for a second, is that we are the object of God's love and affection when he is that large, that massive, that powerful. And yet he cares so deeply for us that he gets hands on with his creation to form man of the dust and then breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. So this weekend, as we're talking about this idea of coming alive, we have to understand that as, as man receives that breath of life. Well, here's what I love about the Bible. Does anybody know what the original languages of the Bible are? Like, what was the... Purple, purple. All right. I was going to ask somebody. Hebrew is one of them. Aramaic. There's a little bit. There's some portions written in Aramaic. Gold star. And Greek is the other one. Hebrew is the original language of the Old Testament. Greek, the original language of the New Testament. But there are a few portions of Scripture that were originally written in Aramaic. But guys, when we only understand scripture through the English language, I need, we need to process this for a second. We're trying to understand a first century Middle Eastern book in 21st century America, which means we have to handle it with care. But when we look at the original language, this is so cool, is the original word for life is haya. I know it sounds like you're like in karate and you're like, haya! That's not it. Don't do that. If you try to do that and say you're speaking Hebrew, you're just going to look crazy. But it's Chaya. And the word Chaya has two base or root words to it. One side, one root word of Chaya is to live or to give life or restore life. The other root word of Chaya, where we get our word life, means breath. So even as we look at the original language of scripture, we're seeing that life is tied to God's breath. This star-breathing God breathes into man, he becomes a living soul, that our life is dependent on God willing us into existence. Or the Greek, zao, means life and breath. Both of those definitions are tied to that word zao which is the Greek for life. 
But some of you might be sitting here thinking, okay, Pastor Brandon, that's, that's great and all, but like, I'm, I'm living my life. And my life is, is not bad. But where I want us to pause and stop for a second is understand that we have a star-breathing God who breathes into man. He becomes a living soul. He is the reason for our existence. We exist for the purpose of bringing him honor and glory, and he has something incredible for us. Let's look at John 10, 10 together. I love this. This is so cool. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God's design for us, his intention for us, is not to struggle through life in mediocrity. God's intention for us is not to simply exist or survive, but his intention is for us to thrive, to have abundant life. And as we're kind of thinking about this concept of life, it made me step back for a second and think, well, what is the actual definition of life? How do I know if I'm living? And I'll be honest, we, we all become nerds for something. I mean, for me personally, like, listen, if you're really into football and you know like every team and every stat, you're a nerd. You're just a nerd for football, okay? We're all nerds, embrace it. It's a beautiful thing to be. And sometimes I really geek out on the word of God. Sometimes I become a big nerd for soccer. Sometimes I become a big nerd for, I'm trying to, for food. Actually, I've gotten really into baking. I don't know why. Uh, but we all become nerds for something. Embrace it. So if you're that tough jock that is secretly obsessed with Pokemon, embrace it. Okay? You're still playing Pokemon Go. You're the only one left. All right? That's okay. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't call him out like that. But we need, to, we, we need to nerd out a little bit right now, okay? I want to look at the scientific definition of life. Life is determined by seven things according to biology. Homeostasis, that we can maintain balance. That we have biological organization, our cells, our organs themselves, everything lines up perfectly in order for us to function that we have a metabolism, our body is able to create energy out of the things that we consume, that we have growth, cell growth, that we are able to adapt, we are able to function within the things that are affecting us and make the changes we need to make, that we respond to stimuli. So when we're out in the heat, we get hot. When we're out in the cold, we get cold. We respond to the things pressing down on us and then the ability to reproduce. But if we're just walking around with this definition of life saying, okay, so what is it to come alive? Well, I have to be in homeostasis and organization and growth and reproduce and well, I shouldn't reproduce yet. I gotta get married first. And then I should do, like if, if that's the definition of life we're working with, it can get a little confusing. So let's pair this back a little bit. If you were going to a dictionary and look up the definition of life, here's what's gonna pop up. The condition that distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, for reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. But I struggle with this definition. Because if we look at this definition, especially that last line, 
Continual change preceding death. So as long as I'm not just standing still, as long as I keep moving until I die, then I'm living it, right? But here's where I want us to kind of separate things out for a second. I need you guys to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about your life the last week. Maybe over the last month, over the last year, over the last five years. And I want you to think for a second. Don't raise your hand. I just want you to answer this question. I just want you to answer these yes or no between you and the Lord. In the last however long in your life, have you ever struggled with anxiety? Just silently between you and the Lord. Have you ever struggled with depression? Have you ever struggled with thoughts of self-harm? Have you ever struggled with fear? Have you ever struggled with worry? Have you ever struggled with such a low image of yourself that you ask the question, why should I even be here? Why should I even exist? Have you ever questioned your existence? Have you ever questioned if God even has a purpose for you? And I want you to keep your eyes closed. And I'm going to do this as well. Keep your eyes closed. But if you answered yes to any of those, if you answered yes to any of those, would you stand up right now? If you answered yes to any of those questions, keep your eyes closed. Now I want you to open your eyes. You guys can have a seat. I need to challenge you with something. The definition of survival is remaining alive, especially after the death of another or others but it also means continuing to exist or remaining intact. Can we stop playing this game of, oh, I'm at a, I'm at a church camp. My life's good. There was hardly anybody still sitting. At one point or another, we've all felt like we're just getting by that we're just surviving. We're just making it to the next day. But what does God actually have for us? John 10, 10, look at this again. He says, life and have it abundantly. That's what we're talking about this weekend. We're trying to go from death to life. We're trying to go from surviving to thriving, we're trying to go from this place of mediocrity. And if you've ever been frustrated thinking, I'm, I'm so sick of this, I'm so tired of being displeased with who I see in the mirror, I'm exhausted from finding the will to get out of bed. 
I'm so tired of hating my life. And what I would give for even just a taste of this abundant life that you're talking about. And that word, that Greek word I mentioned for life before, zao, I love this. The definition, the real definition for that Greek word is to enjoy real life. So in John 10.10, the word for life is zao. And the definition of it is to enjoy real life, to have a true life and worthy of the name, to be active, to be blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. And when we talk about coming alive, we're not talking about, oh, I'm just making it to the next day, but I want to have abundant life. So our goal this weekend is to see how God wants us to not just survive, but how we can truly come alive in abundance. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, blessed be our Lord God and Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So when we talk about this abundant life, we're not talking about, hear me, there is not a single promise in scripture of material blessing. Oh, if you love God, you're going to get the dream house, the dream car, the dream spouse. There's not a single promise in scripture of material blessing. So this abundant life we're after, it's not all your problems are going to be fixed. But man, I think back to being here on staff and I think back to July of, of 2006. And some of you weren't born yet. And that's very sad to me, right as I said it. And in the middle of my depression, in the middle of my thoughts of suicide, in the middle of my addiction to pornography, I knelt down in the back of a, 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 a worship center during worship, and the Lord met me in that moment. And I didn't automatically go to my freshman year in high school and suddenly have a bunch of friends. I'm not living in a mansion. I'm not driving a sports car. But my goodness, God has blessed me in such a way that I can look at my life and just go, Wow. This is amazing, God. I can't believe what you're doing. So I'm not going to promise you that all your problems are going to get fixed this weekend, but I am going to promise you if you allow God to breathe new life into you, you are going to experience this life in a whole new way. So I'm so excited to continue on this journey with you guys. Let's pray together. And then we're going to get Zach and Aaron back out here for some closing announcements. God, I praise you. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the massiveness of our universe that simply shows the glory of God. Psalms 19 tells us that the, all of the heavens declare the handiwork of God. And you have breathed out the stars and then you breathe into us and give us life. But God, some of us are barely getting by. And we need to discover new life, abundant life in Christ this weekend. So we thank you for your word. But God, we beg that you would show up this weekend in incredible ways, that you would open our hearts and minds to you so that we could come alive in Christ. We thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. 
Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.